Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion. Championship team. This Ace Cast download is brought to you by Link Soul. Go to linksoul.com and by Nest Bedding. Love where you sleep. Go to nestbedding.com. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. Eno, how are you? I'm doing great. You fired up? You're ready to go? World Series starts tomorrow. Yeah, I just recorded my first underwear video. How'd you look? Uh, I wish I, wish a couple fewer pounds were on there. Did you did did you think, man, if I would have been working out the last year, how different this could be? The last five. <laughs> last twenty. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're 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 a sex symbol now. That's all that matters. Um, how you feeling, Rangers? D backs. I think if the I think the offenses will decide it. I think it, I, I'm picking the Rangers because that I think that offense is inevitable. And one thing that I like about it is it's so different. You have like think about this: you're facing Evan Carter, and then you face Adelise Garcia. Like they couldn't be more different. I mean, you're going to talk about righty, lefty, but you're also talking about Evan Carter is going to spit at everything you throw. You're going to have to be very fine. You have to get it right at that top little sliver of the zone he's not so good at, and you have to get it in the zone. Otherwise, it's just going to be a walk or whatever. And then Elise Garcia is going to swing at everything, but, like, you know, he might just And it's all going out of the ballpark. Yeah, right. So (laughs) I, I I think having that sort of diversity uh among the among the two uh among the different it's not just those two you know there's 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 a a good diversity in that lineup between more aggressive guys and more patient guys they they as a team chase less than almost i think every team but two in the in the big leagues uh but they're relentless it's a relentless offense yeah, it's really deep down at the bottom too. Like when you're seeing Evan Longoria on the on the on the uh, Diamondbacks, he's fine, but he's you know a veteran near the past his peak. You're seeing Jonah Heim and Mitch Garver, and and and, you're, and, and Jace Young is like you know not even it's not Jace Young, it's his brother Josh. <laughs> uh, Josh Young is 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 a great guy to have uh, that low in the in the batting order. So it's just there's really no rest. Yeah, big question for me is. You know, with Bruce Bochy, we had a, a long conversation with Scott Emerson about 
third time through the lineup with starters, the data with the relievers is better than the stars and all that. But, so, you know, now that you in a seven-game series, it's like Bruce Bochy, God, you really want to get as much out of your starters because you're not – I mean, other than LeCurk and the Spores, you know, it can be kind of scary going to your bullpen. So – uh, how will the bullpen perform for the Texas Rangers? So far, pretty much they've they've done their job. They've they've held the line, but you know I, I would give Arizona the edge, no doubt. Just they're a little bit little bit deeper. Um, you know the, the circle of trust is even a little bit wider. I kind of think Bruce Bochy's circle of trust is two. It is two. Leclerc and <laughs> it's Spores. Jose Leclerc yeah. and Spores, and that's it. You know, Aroldis Chapman. You have no idea where he's going to throw the ball when he gets out there. And then you've got uh, Bradford, who's you know he's a fine lefty, but uh, you know they do, they only use him when they have to. So it's uh, it, you know they they do have you know Dane Dunning and some starters that they can put out there. We don't know what we're going to get from John Gray. Maybe a little bit more time to get healthy will help him. Um, we're going to see some of those guys though. If it, if it goes seven then depth matters, uh, you know, starting pitcher depth favors the Rangers a little bit. Bullpen depth favors the Diamondbacks. What can you expect from Scherzer? It's so hard. The way when I was previewing it, it's like both these teams have two starters that have been pitching well all year and have pitched well in the playoffs. And they both have a wild card. And Brandon Fott is the Arizona wild card. And he's a rookie who had a five, seven ERA during the regular season, but he's been pitching really well in the postseason. And so, you know, he's the guy who's going well. Max Scherzer is a guy who had like a 3-7 ERA during the regular season, has this long postseason resume, long regular season resume, but he's been really struggling in the postseason. So I think it's it's what it's something to ask for. You, It's a good question to ask. You do see the velo for Scherzer. What I haven't seen from him is breaking ball command. I don't know why that wouldn't, that wouldn't come back, but, you know, sometimes after injury, command comes back later. But he just hasn't been able to command those breaking balls. The, the velo has been there, but he's been spiking all those curveballs. And in today's league, if it's 2-0, you can't have to go to a pitch. You can't have to go fastball, you know? And that's been a big part of what Scherz has been able to do is, oh, cutter, slider, curve. He throws so many breaking balls. I think he throws like four or five breaking balls because you could really break some of those up into into, into separate separate breaking balls. But if he doesn't have that feel, then it's not the same Max Scherzer. Did you ever think you'd, you you would be looking at Nathan Avaldi as a postseason monster? I mean, I covered that the longest World Series game of all time, which he was get, there. which they didn't which they didn't win. He didn't win, but he a pitched little, great. Little story for your for your listeners, I was hungover. Oh, that's a long game to be hung over. At. Oh, 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 oh my god! <laughs> wow. I the day before it ended at like eight thirty, and I called a friend in L.A. and I was like, "Hey, let's go out in the town." Oh wow! And it, somehow I was at a rave at like three a.m. the <laughs> night before that game, and I remember looking at my phone and being like, "Wait a second, is this a rave?" And I turned to my friend, and I'm like, "Is this a rave?" And he's like, "Yeah, I guess you could call it that." And I'm like. Oh no, I need to leave. <laughs> what time did you get home from this rave? Was the sun up? No, it was like four or something, but I had this made this stupid thing. I had an Airbnb without a car, so I walked from Silver Lake into the Chavez Ravine, which means going down and up. And it was 98 at game time. Uh, 98 at game time, longest 
the longest World Series game of all time, and I'm just nursing the water the whole time. And my coworker Jason Stark is sitting next to me, going, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yes, I'm fine." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "If this game would just end," and yeah, Ivaldi comes on in the twelfth and pitches like five innings yeah. in the middle of that game. <laughs> I mean, him and Montgomery. Have been fabulous. They've been fabulous. Yeah, they've been really great. I, you know, one thing that that they do uh, sort of teach me, which I keep learning over and over again, is just the value of having a lot of pitches. Because what you saw from Uvalde was he pitched well uh, against, um, you know, the Astros once, and then he had to come back and do it again. And if you have to face the same team in a series this big. You have to do something differently. And he was he had enough of a pitch mix where he was able to do something differently. And I think that's true for Montgomery, too. So, you know, imagine just being kind of like, you know, a, 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 a two pitch pitcher or even a three pitch pitcher and 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 getting through one game in a series and then seeing him again and just being like, oh, what do I do differently now? <laughs> well, how about the how about the old school guys that would pitch three times? Yeah, they pitch on short rest. Yeah, I mean, I only yeah, got I, mean, I only got so much. You're gonna see, you know what I got, but then that just shows you masters of their well, craft, where you do it three times in a seven game set. How amazing is Bumgarner then? Because that's not even that long ago, and here's a guy who's basically a three pitch guy who he didn't really change what he did. No, at ever. all. Yeah, and, and yet he pitched something like 45% of the Giants' innings in that World Series. It's interesting you bring his name up. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it in a sec. Uh, and I want to get the, you know, how did the D-backs win this? But yesterday, a lot of talk with Melvin being announced, leaving San Diego now for San Francisco, and then Greg Johnson at one point, managing general partner, Talks about how breaking even and, you know, spending money and fans just flip. We need to spend all this money. Uh, do the do fans realize that the, the two highest paid players, the highest paid player for the Rangers is DeGrom. The highest paid player for the D-backs is Madison Bumgarner. Neither guy will factor in this series. So we're all concerned about money. The two highest paid guys for each team will not factor at well, all. You know, there's this flip side that's weird, too. There was a lot of people in Houston that said, you know, oh, congratulations to the Rangers. They bought their title. You know, they went out and spent all this money and just bought their title. Oh, or bought their, you know, bought their, their pennant. I think, A, that's weak. And B, uh, the payroll in Texas is like $3 million higher than the payroll in Houston. I I, I don't think that's much of a flex. So um, I, I think it takes it takes all kinds. You know, uh, it, the, it, I think it was difficult uh, for the the A's even when they were in the postseason uh, to get by some of these teams that, that did spend more. I think that's part of what happened. Uh, but, you know, winning a lot in the regular season is totally possible. If you have an interesting strategy, if you have a way to 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 identify young you players nailed that are it. good. You, not only did you nail it, but you nailed it. You thought it out. You were talking, and it really – it was like a think tank process we were going through on this show where you really started talking about, well, you know, if you pare it down, then you think about the A. You know, once you pared it down, the A's weren't as good when it's truly just your best. But if you can have a 
tremendous collection of all these different players that you use throughout six months in a regular season, you can make that happen. But once we get to now, you're paring it down to the best of the best. And, and, and how much, how much could have, how much could have one really high price free agent changed any of those teams? I mean, there was that one year where they, they fought so hard and they were so great and they got to the wild card game and they had to go with an opener in the wild card game, you know, just because of what it took to get there. What if they just had one more pitcher? You know what I mean? Like that's what, that's what money can do for you. Um, and you know, it's, it's not a straight line between money and winning, uh, and especially no. not in the postseason. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a complicated thing. Obviously we had the Padres and Mets this year that didn't, you know, make the most out of, out of their salary. But, uh, I would, if I was running a team, I would sure like to have more money to run my team. <laughs> yeah. Is there anybody, has anyone ever said I want less? Yeah, right. I want less no. money. Sorry, uh, owner, sir. I, I'd like to spend $30 million less than that. Before we get to the D-backs, I just want to say we have a lot of poor losers in our game. <laughs> like, when you lose in the NFL, having worked in the NFL, when you lose, the other team beats you, right? Blocking, tackling, calling plays on offense, quarterback play, turnovers, all that. You lose, you lose. You go home. Right, we'll see you next. The the excuses, like you just mentioned with Houston. Oh, all of a sudden someone's buying team. The excuses everybody's using for their team losing. No one was making any excuses in Philly when they had those first two games against the D-backs, and they're rocking and rolling. This is the loudest ballpark we've ever heard. Like, all of a sudden, people lose, and it's like excuses are flying out of their backside like you wouldn't believe. The amount of excuses everybody starts using for losing in baseball, it's just weak. As we just said, it's weak. Tip your cap, and we'll see you next year. The whining, the crying, the excuses – Oh, my God, the defeatist attitude to me is disgusting. Oh, I. We need I to recede you. the regular seat. You know, show your ass up and win. Your team, uh, you know what? Best statement okay. there. What's the state? Like what's the, the state of your the, roster when the postseason hits? Don't tell me what you were in June. Don't tell me what your ass was in April. Where are you now? Where are well, you now? I, I, I hear that, but I also, you know, like I, I, I thought it was a little bit of whining to, 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 you know, get super obsessed about how many days off they had between series or whatever. Oh. Um, so I, I did think there was some of that. Uh, I did tweet something that people thought was whining and, and called somebody called pathetic, uh, which was I, I I pointed out that uh, Bryce Harper's long fly ball uh, that he hit 108 miles an hour in the seventh inning uh, of game seven. I, I he hit that 108 and 44 uh, degree angle. Now, like a third of those are homers. You'd really have to pull it down the line to make that work. That's one of those like skyscrapers that barely makes it, you know, Uh if he'd hit it five degrees lower, you're talking about 80% of those are homers, right? So I made the point that that five degrees coming off the bat is millimeters. Now, I'm not making that point to say that he, oh, it should be a homer. It should, you know, it should count as a homer. I'm not making that point. Yeah. I'm making the point of how incredibly small the difference between winning and losing can be. That's so, all I'm trying to make. I, I'm fair. trying to make the point that 
that you're talking, he said after the game, he beat my barrel by a 10th of a second. I think it's more like a hundredth of a second. So you're talking about a hundredth of a second between Bryce Harper, you know, tying the game up or going ahead or, or, or uh, them losing that's, I think uh, it goes to the wonder of the game. I think baseball, football does it too. Basketball, the ball can bounce off. Anytime you're hitting something, right? So what you're talking about really is one thing's moving. There are two things moving. Same thing with hitting a hockey puck. Same yeah. thing with hitting a golf ball. If you're just a little bit, your face of your golf, we'll go sideways. Your face of your club hitting the golf ball. If it yeah. is just one degree to the right, do you Big realize? Old slice or fade or whatever. That's a huge slice. If it's yeah. one degree closed, you're talking about a, a hook. I mean, it is. I mean, it is just. If you're not coming, it. it, So when you're talking about barely missing it, well, we're talking about you just to be barely off with your golf club. And we're talking about. I mean, that's just. And that ball. And that ball ain't moving. (laughs) And it's 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 physics, right? It's just the way. It's the speed and the angle and all that. I don't. You're just telling what what happened. You're not making it. You're not saying if you would have been at a different ballpark. I mean, you're just saying what happened. No, yeah, the, to yeah, me, the but... whining, the whining, there's just so much whine. Instead of just whatever, we don't know how to lose gracefully anymore. We make excuses <laughs> on why we, there always has to be reasons why. I mean, had to, have you seen some of the stuff coming out of San Diego with people tr- still trying to make excuses for A.J. Preller? Like, how many managers do you get? I don't know, man. And and he was trying to make it sound like um, Bob Melvin couldn't work with leadership or wasn't taking information from them. I'm sorry, man. Are you kidding me? This is a guy that was in in, in Oakland. You're saying that he wouldn't work with ownership and wasn't taking information. No, uh, I don't think so. I, you know, mm. not 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 to to get completely off the track here, but I got to ask you um, who in their right mind would take that job. Someone will take it. But who it's like, going to be somebody without a track record, right? It's going to be somebody who just wants a chance you cause, know, cause, and thinks and, we could, and, we could do it. AJ, if the Padres get off to any bad start at some point, Peter Seidler, he's going to have to make a change. Do you really want to be the manager that goes down when Preller fi- finally goes down? Do you really want to be the guy that's managing at that point? I mean, I, I, I've talked with teams about working with teams and for me, it's really important who's at the top and, uh, I don't even know if I'd take the Padres phone call really, honestly. Uh, wow. So, you know, there's just, you know, it matters who you work for. Your boss matters. If he's going to call people below you, you know, and micromanage you and, and not give you any sense of autonomy, then like, you know, then why take the job? It's just going to have a backbiter the whole time. It is so dysfunctional. I mean, it really starts at ownership that they've allowed this to go on for all oh, and you know years. that's and you know that's part of it because we already had the ceo of the padres say we're going to reevaluate the manager and the general manager and then peter seidler from the hospital was like no no the, the manager and the the general manager is fine <laughs> and as the ceo you'd be like god i was just yeah all right fine <laughs> you guys you guys run it <laughs> yeah very dysfunctional all right back to the world series give me the reason why the D-backs win? D-backs have the second best defense in baseball. They have a longer bullpen. And if Brandon Fott continues what he's doing, they will win. If they can win the run suppression game, they will win. So if they can keep it to three to two and four to two, those kind of games, they will win. 
which they have the ability to do. They just did it in Philly. Right, which was really surprising to me. I picked Philly from, you know, from before the postseason to make the World Series. They got right to the doorstep and uh, really surprised that the Arizona Diamondbacks pulled that off. I kind of feel like, you know, yeah, it's something similar here because I want to be like, Texas lineup is so good. This team is better. I'm going to pick Texas. And yet we've said that about Arizona's opponents all the way through, and they just really kind of torn all through them. What do you make of home teams being 14 and 22 this postseason? Nothing. Do you know that regular season pace? That's a 63 and 99 record. <laughs> I mean, if they had gone to extra innings, I might say something because this new rule has changed how extra innings work. And there has been a weird reversed home field advantage for extra innings. But uh, I can't well, like, what would you say? Like what uh, home what, field advantage to me, I think in all sports is dead. Oh, I think we've just seen it so many times. I mean, we've now seen eight seeds in hockey win the Stanley cup. I just, mm. the, the, the whole, the days of, Oh my God, you're going to the Boston garden or you're going to Yankee stadium. And these kids are, I, I home field advantage. I think for modern day athletes, it, well, that's it, a, it doesn't matter. That's a really interesting thing. So two things come to mind. One is that I have seen some proof that home field advantage is the weakest in baseball. So that that kind of goes to what you're talking about there. Um, Weather plays, but we're a sport that we're not dealing with zero below. It's not, it's not right? crazy weather. Yeah. yeah like all of a but sudden my, you got to go to Green Bay and it's, you know, minus 10. You're, it's a whole different ballgame. I have seen some research that suggests that a large part of home field advantage is changing umpire calls, like affecting the umpires, affecting the referees. And I'm thinking about my dad always loves uh, college dogs at home, home dogs in college. And I would think that a, a referee or an umpire, or whatever, whatever they call, they call referees in football. The referees in football uh, on the college level might actually be more a sway a like uh, like you might be actually be able to affect them more hey you know like they're i got my they're guy, not i got they're my full timers right yeah I, in college no i got my guys my guys trip to reno our our football trip can mm -hmm. i can i call your dad yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hey, so, man, hey, so hey mr serious who you like this weekend so we're getting more and more he likes college the big leagues. college but home also, dogs yeah, but also uh, what we're seeing uh, with technology is that we're we are training our our in baseball at least umpires got better. Once we start, we had this thing called Quest Tech, which yeah. was the beginning of pitch FX. And when we started Quest Tech, umpires were at like eighty percent effect effectiveness, like they got it calls like 82 percent right. Right, right now we're at like 86, 87 percent, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a lot. That's a lot of calls every game. They're getting better because of the technology and and replay has been more of a big deal over time. So if there is a home field advantage in affecting what the umpire is doing and now you have replay, then you might actually be able to that's take some of that back and yeah. not have home field. advantage. Are we getting to a point where technology is helping the umpires get better and better and better that we may not need to go to the electronic strike zone? I I mean I I think that I think that we see big plays and think that they are terrible at their jobs but if you look at a lot of them they are really good 
you know, like in terms of balls and strikes and what they do. They've, they've weeded out better. some of the bad guys. Yeah, a lot of those guys yeah. have been graduated out, you know, retired. And the the youngest generation that's coming through right now has been trained by the things. That's why part of why I think it's going to go to the challenge system and not to automatic balls and strikes. And so we're going to see basically what we see now. One thing that's fun about challenge system, if people are like rolling their eyes and don't want that, it's fun because you only have a limited amount for the game. And so the players know if I use one and it's wrong, my manager's going to be mad at me. But they don't get to look at the manager. Like they don't get to, they, there's no like, you know, this. It has to be in the moment. The catcher has to be like, nah, 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 let's look at that, you know? And then yeah. everyone looks up at it on the board and they're like, ooh, yes. It's entertaining. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's entertaining. Really, it's entertaining. <laughs> like we're in the entertainment business, people. I love, yeah. I love, I've seen it in the minor, whatever. Who has it? Somebody in the minor leagues has it. I've seen video yeah, yeah, yeah. where I think a ball was doing guys it up then, to play. Right. Right. Ball. Oh no, 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 no. That's not it. Yeah. And then all, everybody gets excited. I dig it. Like, and in tennis, they do it too. When the ball is like, they do the, they do a challenge system on, 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 on serves. Right. And the, you actually hear the crowd go like, oh, <laughs> when they, when they see we the need, call. We know? need like pads in front of us at our seats so we can, <laughs> all, can all vote on what it's going to be. <laughs> we can all gamble on it. Going, he's right. I'm betting oh, on this. Oh, no, that's happening. That's happening. I'm betting on this. Oh, you want to get fans <laughs> into it? We're all putting our money into it. Oh, no, he's wrong. Oh, my God. But that's you, on this way. We already have some books uh, that are at uh, ballparks. So we have a book. The Mets. At, uh, Wiggly. Have you heard about the Mets? Yeah. The Mets want yeah. to have a casino. <laughs> oh yeah. God. You can go look. I was in uh, Newsweek or whatever. Uh, I was sending that around to people going, there's people worried about Vegas. The, <laughs> they want to put a casino in Queens next to the ballpark. Just like you, you just like come into the ballpark and they just have like, uh, they'll just have like those little suction things that, that just like go right in your pocket and just. <laughs> <laughs> Venmo, Venmo, Venmo. Yeah. Uh, I think it's good for baseball that these two teams are here. And I try to let people know, like, the ratings have actually been pretty good. And it's uh, you got to understand, like, the, the let's go the four teams. When you start looking at Philly, that's the fourth largest TV market. Dallas is the fifth. Uh, mm. Houston's 10th. Arizona's 12th, so we're not talking about small American television markets. These are pretty decent-sized television markets. Arizona's, just, Arizona's tough. It's 12th. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. It's it, it. I don't think it plays that way in baseball. It's still, it's your television market. This isn't Kansas City, San Francisco. These are two right. markets that are far. You've got to San Francisco Bay Area is fifth. Sixth. Yeah. Dallas is. Oh, fifth. you're saying Kansas City is below 12. Yeah, Dallas is fifth. Dallas, Dallas is a bigger television market than the Bay Area. Whoa! All right, all right, all right. People yeah, don't true. really. Yeah, like it's people. Big. And you got to. People just don't understand with Phoenix, Scottsdale, Tempe, Mesa. It's actually a pretty decent sized market. This whole it's like the bumpkins are playing each other is not. But I, <laughs> the fact the the fact that we got numbers in the NL and ALCSs. It's good for I think to me I I believe it's good for baseball that we're not seeing the same if it's not somebody from the northeast and it's not somebody from LA oh no we're doomed. Yeah, yeah. And and also I wonder if there's there's got to be some value into just hey new like 
you know, like yeah. th- it's not the Astros, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not somebody who's been, who's won one of the recent ones. Like both of these teams, you know, haven't won in a while, you know, and uh, Texas has never won one. I think there is there, you can capture the national imagination with a team that's never won the world series. You know what I mean? Like, okay. You're going, you're going Rangers. Yeah. Okay. I got to ask you a couple uh, other baseball things. Um, becoming very obvious that former smart players who know analytics are now chic as the smartest man in baseball, as we used to call him when he was an A, Craig Breslow, has got the CBO job with the Boston Red Sox. How do Steven Vote is gonna be is gonna be a manager? So you call them baseball nerds. I'm gonna ask you, how are the bait because years ago most of the general managers were all former players. How, uh-huh. how do the baseball nerds feel that now it's the former players are now getting all the – Sam Fold will be one of these guys at some point. It's the former players who know analytics, they're now getting all the jobs. That's now the trend. How do all the baseball nerds feel about that? Are they getting a little worried? You know, one thing that's interesting is we've never had a, t- a, 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 a GM come out of an analytics department. So we've never we never actually did that. We graduated. Uh, there's a Yankees AGM that came out of uh, that came out of the analytics department. We've got some AGMs that have graduated analytics departments. We have some analytics friendly GMs. We've had some business school grads. So what we really did was we had a bunch of business school grads that were GMs. We never really had the super nerdy analytics types. Sometimes. Uh, I don't know if they have the the, the media savvy or the uh, the personal personal skills that that you kind of need to be the front man for a whole team. I mean, that's that's yeah. that requires media skills. Um, I, I do think that anybody who knows how to run a team or is running a team well this the, right now knows that you have to take perspectives from the analytics squad and from former players and meld them together to be successful. You can't just take something and be like, Oh, analytics spit this out. Everyone do this now without any sort of feel for how it's going to go down. I've had horror stories from players being like, we got there on the first day of camp and they were, they put cones out for how we should run the bases. You know, it's like, you know, that sort of thing you need to be really careful about. Um, So I don't know that anybody's mad, on either side, I think uh, you could you could be really good at it uh, because these today's players are also better at media. I think they have to be they have to consider how they interact with the media a lot more because there's more of it. They have to be on social media. There's all that. So the media aspect of the job, they are going to be out in front on. Yeah, we got two Princeton grads uh, who are running the World Series. Obviously, Chris Young, we know about his background hoops. I think he's one of the only guys to be all Ivy League in both hoops and baseball. Hayes and Mike Hazen also played for Princeton. I believe he's the Tigers' all-time stolen base leader or something like that. So both these guys, I mean, Chris Young had a very good career, but so both these guys, uh, Ivy League guys who are running, I just think it's interesting that former players coming back into running teams uh, kind of becoming the new model. We'll see how that goes. Uh, a, lot- a lot of them are players that were very receptive to analytics. No doubt, up, though. no doubt. But they Chris were Young and I players. had many an argument as a player about numbers. Sam Fold was a guy I went to beeline in the dugout to to talk to him. So if you want somebody on that level, uh, my pick is Jed Lowry. Like he he should be somebody that that, that a team should should pick up. The more former A's running teams makes it easier for guests, my friend. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Uh, more guests, more guests for the 
our guests of the cast. Exactly. Hey, we. Hey, th- th- it's not going to be hard getting the Giants manager now. Oh, uh, yeah, right. how, how do you feel, uh, Melvin, and the Giants? I think it's going to be good. I think that uh, if there was something missing in, in San Francisco, it may have been just from reading between the lines of, of how, me talking to the players there, may have been just that some people feel like didn't know their role. And not knowing what your role is, is really tough. And I think that that is exactly what Melvin, you know, everyone says about Melvin is he's the guy, you know, where you stand with him. Like that's what Melvin will tell you, you know, Hey, we need you in this way. And if you want to get you more playing time, this is what we're looking from you or from. It's very clear what the hurdles are, what we, what you're going to be doing, what the plan is in the short term and the long term. And that's the thing I think that made people in uh, San Francisco a little bit nervous. So it's, I don't know if I'm pitching three tonight, five tonight, six tomorrow, whatever it is, you know? And so having Melvin come in and be there, like, I am a good communicator. I will tell you exactly where you stand, brass taxes. I will tell you the truth. That's what who Melvin is. I think that can really help them. There's two sides to every story. We know that in life. And the athletic went pretty, pretty hard on the whole Kim Ming departure and obviously, I'm not talking about your work, but some of your colleagues, they went, you know, there's some tough things said about the Marlins. Um, kind of looking into it, though, there, there's more than what was really reported. I don't think people really realize that Derek Jeter was running the whole thing. Even when Kim Ng was supposedly the GM, people in South Florida go, Jeter was running the whole thing. So hmm. Jeter, Jeter leaves. Obviously, there's that void between now Kim Ng and the owner, because Jeter was not talking with the owner, which all of a sudden I go, wait a minute, Jeter's an owner, but obviously he's not the rich guy, but he's not <laughs> communicating with the rich guy. This was disaster, right? You can see yeah. why it didn't work. And once it was kind of explained more when you hear from people who are down there, you now kind of understand why Kimming wouldn't be there anymore and why she would opt out, and they'd be okay with her opting out. They gave her an extra they, – they picked up the option, but – there was more to the story because it just the way it got reported was just they got hammered. The whole Jeter part of it is a huge part of it. Mm. I just what what I mean, were your I thoughts on it? My my sense is that there's um, a, a, I talk about organizational inertia a lot and how hard it is to change uh, a, a change turn the ship as I talk about sometimes yeah. on the show. And I just I, I think that there are elements that are long suited long long suited like long entrenched elements in 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 florida that um she tried to kind of get rid of some of them i think gary denbo you know was i heard i honestly heard didn't hear great things about him and it you know it took a while and that was a thing she had to do and she had to kind of put her own you know she had to go out there to get to make that firing you know so like and i don't think he's the only one so i think there was some sort of entrenched you know feeling maybe that that wasn't listening to her Maybe they were only listening to Jeter. You know what I mean? So there's, there's, like you said, there's two sides of it. But I think that there was, there, the, that she wasn't able to completely change the culture. No, Jeter was the culture, from what I'm right. Thinking. Exactly. From what I, yeah. And she was brought in by Jeter, so you can kind yeah. of see once Jeter left, like no matter, you can bring in Jake Berger, you can have a couple of some good moves, but in the end, there right. was the whole Jeter thing. He now vaults off to doing uh, car commercials and Fox, and everybody forgets. Uh, about all the stuff that uh, Jeter put forward. You said you wouldn't take the call from the Padres. If Craig Breslow called you from the Red Sox, would you take the call? Oh, yes. <laughs> you like you you like that hire? 
I like him. Yeah, I yeah. like him. I like the hire. I think that their number one need is uh, pitching development. Uh, and uh, I think that they, you know, I think they picked a, a good guy to to turn that around. I know that he's the top guy and he's not necessarily just the pitching guy, but um, I, I think that having somebody up there that cares about pitching the same way that he does uh, will be, will be huge for them. They obviously, they, they, and they're an exciting team right now. They got a lot of young hitters that have just hit the big leagues. If they can turn around pitching at all, that's going to be a good team shortly. So what's different. And we love Breslow, right? Loved having him on the show. He's a great pregame guest, but what's different. Like Hein Bloom didn't care about pitching. Like, What's the difference between Breslow and Hein Bloom? Of course, Hein Bloom didn't play in the big leagues. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. I have asked around a lot, a little bit about that. One thing I heard was a lot of cooks in the kitchen and not a lot of um, uh, accountability is a word that people use, or just like not a really like streamlining. Let's get this done. It was a lot of like, well, what should we do? What should we do? As opposed to you know getting it done. Um, I just think that somebody coming in from the outside they like i think this is what i think i think heim boom did some good work and i think what you're doing is saying thank you for that good work and you shouldn't have been fired and i'm going to take over now and take credit for some of the good work you did <laughs> and and also not to be, to be fair to craig like he's going to put his stamp on it but like yeah. it's not you're not taking you're not taking over the Royals and being like, oh, or the White Sox, who I've just I've I've heard just like it's like you're more at zero, you know. Yeah, you, is... you you've had some harsh words for the White Sox. <laughs> Good luck, Chris Getz. That... <laughs> yeah. So the Red Sox, I feel like you're taking over someone who's nearer to closer to the finish line and you're kind of putting them over the hump. If you all of a sudden became a multi multi billionaire and you bought a team and you're like Money's not a problem. If you could model your organization after any of the 30 teams right now, who would you model your, who would you model your organ? Who would you mimic? Who would you model it? Who would be the model for you? You can't guess. I'm, I'm just allowing you. I'm not, who would you take? I just think, you know, already. I, I think I know. Cause I have people who, who you bring up certain teams and they flip out. So I want to hear from you, the baseball expert. If you could model the Dodgers. I, 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 some people go, but look how many, look how they choke in the postseason. I, I think that the the postseason is very unpredictable, and I think you keep getting to it, you keep trying to get better, and you keep trying to win. And if there's something, maybe there's something for them to to learn, but it's better to keep going. You know, and say, okay, we're going to tweak this or tweak that and win next year, you know, than to be like, we won 65 games last year. Yeah, because I have a feeling, and I could be wrong, and I know I'm an Astros troll. I get it. I have a feeling that, like, I'm not going to be shocked if next year or the year after is when we see they've had a great run, but like, you know, oh, we're going to let Verlander go. Oh, my God, we got to get him back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling we could be if Seattle. you had a good, a good playoffs, but like that wasn't a good deal. I don't think. Now, if if Seattle steps their game up, this Texas thing's for real. This is gonna, they're gonna be pretty good. Uh, I'm not gonna be shocked if next year we're looking at Houston. Who knows who the new manager is gonna be? How the culture is gonna change? Whatever. I just have a feeling I'm not gonna be shocked if Seattle, if if not Seattle, if Houston's not in the postseason next next year. I mean, they were out of it for large points of this year. 
So I'm not really making any big noise there then. I, 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 I do like how they're run, but there have been a lot of weird changes where they've, they've, they fired they they fired guys that were the, that led their player development and they and fired guys they that fired led, two you know. guys at the end of the year before the postseason right yeah and and it was weird because I I think very highly of their player development so that says says to me that they think they want to go in a different direction so I don't I, I don't know what that direction is Can't, I don't think for me it wouldn't be a good one <laughs> you know? all right let's end on this it's Halloween you're passing out candy all the kids are coming. Daddy, daddy wants a few pops. What, uh, what's Eno drinking on Halloween? What am I going to drink on Halloween? Uh, I've been really into, uh, uh, dark lagers, you know, and you know, what's kind of fun about dark lager. That's Halloween ish. It looks scary and dark. It looks like a stout, but it's not, it's nice and light. Really? Dark, dark lagers are light. Yeah, they're four and five percent. They taste in terms of body, they they don't taste that thick. You know, they're 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 just like um, it's like a lager that just has more taste, a little bit, a little bit more sort of maltiness. I like it, and it's got that look to where is it coffee? Is it beer? You don't know what's in oh, my yeah. glass, especially if Daddy is taking him around in the coffee kit. <laughs> He's got the coffee cup. <laughs> better better be dark in there. Been there, done that. <laughs> You got to have a roadie. You got to have a roadie. Got to have. My kids don't trick or treat anymore, but back in the day, you had to have a roadie. All right, my friend. So you, Texas, Texas will be, you're going, you're going with Nolan Ryan. You're going with the cowboy. There you go. Throwing to Pudge for, for the opening day. Oh, you're, you're going to your, you're playing to your underwear career now. (laughs) I see what it is. All right. Enjoy this. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff. Eno Saris, right here. Go ahead. The Eno Saris Show is sponsored by Fieldwork Brewing Company. With eight taproom locations in Northern California, Fieldwork brings you fresh craft beer direct from the source. Fieldwork will also ship beer direct to your door if you live in California. Visit fieldworkbrewing.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.